Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 307. How can you approach God? God's pretty big, and uh, in the kids' song, Our God is a Great Big God, we see that He's wider than the universe, taller than the highest skyscraper. And how do we approach someone that is that big when we seem insignificant and so small? Well, Jesus is the answer. So let's look into our passages for today and find out how we can approach God in faith and love. The more I study it, the more I love it. The book of Hebrews appears to be addressed to Jewish Christians. It is written in a way that seems strange to our modern ears. The language is steeped in the Old Testament. It deals with this vital question, how can you approach God? The author's answer is, through Jesus, our great high priest. The high priesthood of Jesus is the pinnacle of the letter. It is the only New Testament document that expressly calls Jesus a priest. The priestly work of Jesus is hinted at elsewhere. For example, the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John's Gospel and the beloved disciples' description of Jesus as advocate with the Father. But it is here in the book of Hebrews that the theme is taken up and expounded. From Psalm 119 Your compassion, Lord, is great. Preserve my life, Lord, in accordance with your love. Approach God knowing He is loving and compassionate. God's love for humanity has always been great. Your compassion is great, O Lord. The psalmist knew God's love. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your love. He knew God was a deliverer. He speaks of redemption and salvation. He knew God would deliver, redeem and save. And it was because of this that he knew he could approach God with confidence. What he did not know was how God would save him. As we read the whole Old Testament, including this psalm, through the lens of the New Testament, we can see that what the psalmist described is made possible through the high priesthood of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your great love and compassion. Thank you that through Jesus you have made it possible for me to be delivered, redeemed and saved. New Testament from Hebrews 4 and 5 Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifice for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honour on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. 
Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Approach God through Jesus, your great high priest. It's quite astonishing that you and I can approach the creator of the universe with confidence and boldness. Of course, we must be respectful, but we do not need to be timid or fearful. How is this possible? As the writer introduces the central theme of this letter, the high priesthood of Jesus, he makes the point that the main purpose of his letter is to encourage them to hold firmly to the faith we profess. Learning more about who Jesus is enables you to stand firm in your faith through the storms and temptations of life. Jesus is unique. The great high priest is both the Son of God and fully human. He is able to sympathize with your weaknesses, and he has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus had the same feelings you have. There are times when he felt like doing the wrong thing, but always chose to do the right thing. As you speak to him in prayer, you can know that he knows how you're feeling. There were three necessary qualifications for the priesthood. Humanity, selected from among human beings. Compassion, able to deal gently. Divine appointment, called by God. Jesus exactly fits the role. But Jesus belonged to the tribe of Judah, not Levi, and therefore he lacked qualification for the normal priesthood, which was made up of descendants of Moses' brother Aaron, who was a Levite. Thus the writer identifies him with a new order of priests, identified with the Old Testament character Melchizedek, who was a priest of God Most High and ministered to Abraham. The book of Hebrews shows how in every way the priesthood of Melchizedek was superior to that of Aaron. Because Jesus' priesthood is like Melchizedek, it is eternal. It is therefore effective for all time. It affects those who lived before Jesus as well as everyone who lives after him. Jesus is your representative. He's both the model priest and far superior to any other priest. Jesus gained experience through the things he suffered. God uses everything in your path, however painful, for you to gain experience. You can learn to use your pain for someone else's gain. Rick Warren writes, God loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. The things you wish were most removed from your life are often the very things that God is using to shape you and make you into the believer he wants you to be. He wants to use that problem for good in your life. There's something more important than your pain. It's what you're learning from that pain. Like us, Jesus gained experience through what he suffered. However, unlike us, he is without sin. Therefore, he did not need to offer sacrifices for his own sins. He is the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. You can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. As you ask for forgiveness for the past, you can know that you will receive mercy. As you ask for help for the future, you can know that you will receive grace to help you in whatever your needs are and whatever difficulties you're facing at the moment. The image of the throne is a way of emphasizing the majesty and glory of the one who sits on it, God. 
Yet through Jesus, you can approach God in prayer and worship, no matter how you're feeling or what you've done. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that through your sacrifice, I can approach the throne of grace with confidence, receive mercy, and find grace to help me in my time of need. Old Testament from Ezekiel 1-3 to Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Approach the throne of grace with confidence. What an amazing thing to be told that we can approach the heavenly throne at all, let alone with confidence. The prophet Ezekiel, whose name means God is strong, caught a glimpse of this throne. It was awesome. There was something that looked like a throne, sky blue like a sapphire, with a human-like figure towering above the throne. From the waist up, he looked like burnished bronze, and from the waist down, like a blazing fire, brightness everywhere. It turned out to be the glory of God. When I saw all this, I fell up to my knees, my face to the ground. Then I heard a voice. Ezekiel was called by God in 593 BC at the age of 30. He was a priest. He was a Jewish exile in Babylonia, whereas Jeremiah was in Jerusalem. He was taken captive with the young king Jehoiakim in 597 BC. Like Jeremiah, he called the people to repentance and foretold the eventual rebuilding of Jerusalem. Ezekiel's call begins with a vision of God. In the vision, he sees four strange creatures. Each one is a witness to part of the character of God. The first one has the face of a human being. The second, a lion, representing strength and courage. The third, an ox, representing fertility. And the fourth, an eagle, representing speed. Together they point to the awesome majesty and greatness of God. In this vision, Ezekiel catches a glimpse of a man who we now know was Jesus. Ezekiel's response to the vision of the throne of grace is to fall flat on his face. This was not an unusual response to the presence of God. God speaks to him. The Holy Spirit enters Ezekiel. He's given the words of God to devour. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. He's told to listen carefully and then to go and speak the message that God has given. He is to face great opposition, but he's told, do not be afraid of them or terrified by them. It's not his responsibility whether they listen or fail to listen. This is a reminder of the importance of listening. Your responsibility, like Ezekiel, is simply to listen and then speak the message that God gives you. You are not responsible for the reaction of others, but you will be held accountable for whether or not you obey God and speak the words that God has given you. Sometimes you don't know what the outcome will be in a certain situation, but you can trust and obey God no matter what. Later on, the glory of the Lord appears to Ezekiel again, and he falls face down. Again, the Spirit enters him. God promises, When I speak to you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Lord, thank you for this immense privilege that I can approach the throne of grace with confidence.
talk with you and hear your message. Help me to speak your words today. Pepper adds, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, So let's walk right up to him. Get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. That's confidence. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are so big, that you are bigger than any of my problems any of the adversity I face in life. And Lord, thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross for me, that I can now approach you, knowing that you're loving and compassionate towards me. I pray today that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the same love that you have for me. Fill me up so I can love the other people in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.